0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awaken Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Hey, welcome to Awaken. You're gonna love this message today, tonight. I'm telling you, it is gonna rock your world. Right now, what lies before us is a choice. We have two options and they look really similar. Uh, Pontius Pilate brought Jesus up onto a platform And Jesus stood on the platform and they brought out another man called Barabbas onto the platform. And if you were looking, there were two men of similar age. What's interesting is Barabbas' first name was Jesus, Yeshua. And over here was Jesus. Barabbas means uh, uh, son, son of the father. And here you had Jesus, the son of the father. And over here you had Jesus, son of the father. And the people had to choose which one. And they said, release to us Barabbas, but crucify the Christ. Today we have a choice. We can either be woke or we can be awakened. We can be woke and we can be awakened. If you're woke, you fit in with the culture. If you woke, the world would love you as its own. If you're woke, man, you are going in the same. You're getting amen and cheers from all the mainstream media, from everything in the world. Well done, you're woke. But I honestly believe that God has called us not to be woke, but to be awake and not just to be awake, but to awaken a generation out of a slumber and out of where they are. So I want you to come with me today. uh, I'm going to read a few scriptures. The first one I want to give you is in the book of Proverbs. We're going to read a few scriptures. Proverbs 16, verse seven says this, and I love this. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. If I was honest with you, my whole life, this scripture, when I first read this, uh, living in New Zealand, it brought so much consolation. It gave me consolation that, that though I was surrounded by enemies and though I was surrounded by persecution, though I was surrounded even within the house of God by people that were jealous or envious or or people that were maybe operating in a a wrong spirit, I knew that all I needed to do was please God. If I live a life pleasing God, if I didn't go to bitterness, if I didn't go to resentment, if I didn't try and take matter into my own hands, if if I didn't say, no, I don't trust God to to fight for me, I'm gonna fight for myself, I'm gonna execute vengeance, I'm gonna execute, if I could just please God, if I could just follow his blueprint, if I could follow his leading and his guidance, when a man's ways please the lord he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him and i found that over and over again there is a god factor there's a god factor then many years later god calls us to come to san diego and we could do what most people t- can m- most people did that when they came here to plan a church we could start a service we could you know spend a little bit of money on marketing and create a great logo and you know find a really nice venue that's got air conditioning and Maybe set up a you know a coffee cart in the foyer and, and uh, you know train our greeters to be smiling and wear welcome shirts and all of those things are great things. All of those things are wonderful things, and you're going to have a great church experience. That that church is going to exist in the community and it's going to absolutely minister to needs. But I felt like there was a, a calling on the inside of us to do something more than just to exist within a community, just to even minister to people within that community. I felt I felt God call us to to literally shake a city, to shift a city, to to go into a city and contend for the future of that city, to contend for the emerging generations in that city, to fight against the principalities and powers over that city, to dethrone to dethrone demonic forces that have been embedded through legislation, that have been embedded through Uh, idolatry within the leadership over that city that there was spirits of perversion and uncleanness that were dominating and destroying cities that our job wasn't just to come and, and just have a nice quiet little church with cool little logos and you know woke pastors in skinny jeans but rather we were called to come and shift something that this would be a city where the power of God would fall because can I just tell you you can have these days you can have church without God. You can have church without God. The, the, the marketing, the research, the science is so brilliant now that you can literally uh, create church without God. You can have, yeah, you know, obviously we'll mention him, but you know, as far as him turning up and showing off, we're not too sure about that because we don't want him to frighten people away from him. So so we'll have, you know, just great logos and great colors, and and we even know which colors to use, which colors are. Uh, the warm colors, the friendly, the inviting colors, what they communicate. And, and, uh, and then we can do our, our marketing and our graphics and, and it looks diverse and, and it's got people smiling and engaged. And we can do, you know, letterbox uh, or mailbox uh, drops with, hey, come to our church. We're woke church at such and such a location. And we got woke pastors and and I can sit there on a chair and I can just kind of share and lament about how hard life is. But, you know, even though life is hard, You know God is good, and we don't always understand what He's doing because you know God even doesn't understand Himself what He's doing. And so, but nevertheless, we're here with you, and we're for you. Even if it seems God isn't, we are. And uh, just make and so I just decided that is puke, Uh, and so you could call it from woke church to puke church. But we decided that's not what we're going to do. We decided that that we we had left too much, sacrificed too much to come and give San Diego and America what it already had. We wanted to come and bring a move of God because in in those places, there's very few healings. There's very few deliverances. There's very few miracles in those places. I don't know about you, but every time I read my Bible, I read my, my Bible and I find that what you and I call miracles is just God turning up. It's just God turning up. God doesn't sweat with a miracle. God doesn't go, Gabriel, I didn't think I could pull that one off, but wow, did you see what God, God is? God just turns up is the miraculous. The Bible says, and the Lord was present to heal them all. When the presence of God comes, healing flows. When the presence of God comes, the miraculous flows. When the presence of God comes, deliverance and breakthrough, demons are driven out. They manifest in the presence of God. We want to create a church that is unafraid and unashamed to preach the gospel in all its power, to see miracles, signs, and wonders. Not so that we can get a great reputation. Wow, you know, you're so much better than everyone else because you see miracles and you see healings. We wanna see healings and miracles because there are people dying. There are people with terminal illnesses. There are people the doctors have given up on. Well, we wanna say, come into the house of God because there is a power present in the house of God that cures cancer. There is a power present that heals sicknesses. There is a power present that terminates terminal. There is a power present that can drive out what's been oppressing you, what's had you bound, what's had you addicted. You may have been in chains cutting yourself. There is a presence and a power in the person of Jesus Christ, it can bring complete freedom and complete deliverance, life transformation. God can turn you from poverty to prosperity because his word will do that, his power will do that. That's the kind of church we want to be. Somebody say amen. 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 So I want to give you, I want to give you some thoughts this morning on how to change a city. Uh, let, me, let me give you point three, the scripture first, point three scripture first, and then we'll go back to point one and point two. So come with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 19. 1 Samuel chapter 19. This is one of my favorite passages of scriptures, uh, 19. What what has happened in 1 Samuel 19 is that uh, David has had to flee from King Saul. King Saul is threatened by David. David is a man after God's own heart. He's taken out Goliath. And when Saul hears the people singing, David is, uh, Saul has slain his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands, Saul becomes indignant. Like he wanted to be the most popular guy. And now there's a a David rising up. Leanne and I determined even before we started the church that we would not only champion, but we would also cheerlead. We wanted to champion what it looked like to be totally 100% devoted to God. We wanted to champion what it looked like to to, uh, parlay religion but embrace the freedom that the Bible says. We, we, we wanted to champion what it looked like to have a great marriage, to have a great family, to have a great life, what it looked like to serve God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. We wanted to champion that. Uh, we want, but then we also decided that we wanted a cheerlead. We understood that if, if we died or if we handed the church over and everybody lamented the greatness of Jurgen and the greatness of Leanne, that we would have failed. That our job is to raise up Mighty men, mighty women that that stand on our shoulders, that go beyond us, that do greater things than us. Because isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said, hey, the miracles you saw me do, you'll do. And even greater works than these, because I go to the Father. The Spirit of the kingdom is that each generation, Elijah raised up Elisha, who did twice the miracles, of Elijah, because that's how it's meant to be. Moses raised up Joshua. Moses got them to the promised land. Joshua took them into the promised land and conquered the promised land and divided it as, as an inheritance. The way the kingdom is meant to work is that Leanne and I are meant to go so far and then we're meant to raise up warrior men and warrior princesses who can advance the kingdom and do greater works than these. So we decided we wanted to, to not just champion, but we wanted to cheerlead. Somebody say Amen. So Saul has a problem with kingdom. Saul has a problem with that because he wants to be the champion. He wants to be the one that they're cheerleading about. So he, he tries to assassinate David. So it says this in uh, chapter 19 and verse 18. It says, so David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in Naoth, now it was told Saul saying, take note, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messages to take David. <clears throat> Excuse me. When they saw the group of prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied. And when Saul was told, he sent other messengers and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messages again the third time and they prophesied also. Then he also went down to Ramah and came to the great well that is at Siku. So he asked and said, where are Samuel and David? And someone said, indeed, they are at Naoth in Ramah. So he went there to Naoth in Ramah. Then the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth in Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all that day, all that night. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets. Absolutely incredible. A guy goes down there to capture David, to kill the next move of God, to kill the next anointed king. And instead, he is so overwhelmed. His servants are overwhelmed by the prophetic. His, His servants go down there to arrest David, to capture David. But Samuel has created such a climate Samuel is from Naoth in Ramah. Samuel is a prophet, he's, creates, he's created such a climate, such an atmosphere in that city that people with murderous intent, when they walk into that place, can't help, but Can I just tell you right now we have, we have a nation that is burning down buildings, that is tearing down monuments because they, they, they know inherently innately, they were programmed by God that when we see injustice, that we're to go into warfare and tear stuff down. The problem is they are operating in a wrong spirit. A right spirit understands that our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against thrones and dominions. And our job is absolutely to see the injustices in our generation and say, not on my watch, Bob, but rather than destroy buildings and rather than destroy people's Uh, low-income housing and businesses, rather than tear down statues and monuments, what we do is we go into the Spirit. We go into petitioning the heavens. We go into petitioning God. We go into battle toe-to-toe. We go into spiritual warfare against the devil, demonic forces. That's why we're going to do 40 days of prayer and fasting leading up to our grand opening of all of our campuses in August, and we're gonna to go toe to toe. We're gonna tear down the strongholds of the enemy. We're gonna tear down all the things that the principalities and powers have sought to set up, not just in San Diego, not just in Salt Lake City, but right around America. If no other church would do it, God only needed one man, Elijah. To climb Mount Carmel and take on the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, there was a ratio of 850 to 1. We don't need to have great odds because when we're with God, we become the majority. Somebody say amen. When we are with God, we become the majority. God just looks for one man. Ezekiel 22:30 so sought for amen among them who would build a wall, stand in the gap, cry out for the city so I might not destroy it. God is always moved by one man. Let us be that church. We're gonna be that church that that names every principality and we bind it. Do you know God has given us authority? For goodness sake, God has given us authority. We're not helpless bystanders. We don't have to protest in the natural carrying signs. We can actually protest in the spiritual and make a shift. Instead of protesting about what is, instead of protesting about what has been, instead of protesting about and lamenting about the hopelessness, we actually have the answer. We can go into the spirit realm and begin to pull down spirits of racism and hostility and hatred and prejudice and injustice We can pull those things down and usher over our city a spirit where people that have murderous intent begin to prophesy, where people begin to speak and declare the wonderful works of God, where hate once filled human hearts, love replaces that hate. We are the answer. The church of Jesus Christ is the answer. Can somebody say amen? So let me give you three quick points. Point number one, point number one, your battle is your crown. Your battle is your crown. Go with me to to 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I think it's verse 19. 1 Samuel 3, 19. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. This is what it says. It says, So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. 1 Samuel 3, 19. I think I missed that one. Sorry, guys. Yep, you got it. Have a look at this. It says, So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. There are, there are three, three verses in Samuel's life that rock me to the core. This is the first of the three. And I couldn't find the third one until I found that piece where David goes down to Naoth in Ramah. So I've been wanting to preach this message for years. I was gonna call it the Samuel factor. Uh, Samuel's name means uh, sh- sh- uh, Shemuel, which means name of God or heard of God. And Samuel has such a relationship with God that God is with Samuel, that whatever he prophesies, even if God's like, I actually didn't say that. But you know what? I like this kid. Let's just make whatever he said happen that God did not allow one of Samuel's words to fall to the ground. He made every one of Samuel's words come to pass. Everyone is saying, Samuel was dedicated to God. Samuel was devoted to God. I've got to be honest, there have been many times the Holy Spirit said, I want you to prophesy and he'll point someone out. He'll say, so stand that person up and prophesy. So I stand them up and I'm waiting. All right, God, I've stood them up. I'm about to prophesy, give me something. He's like, just start. I'm like, well, how can I start until you tell? And so I've got to say, thus saith the Lord. And then it's kind of like you've got to prime the pump to get things going. But God just wants to know, will you step out? because it's easy to prophesy when you've got a word. But when you've got to break an atmosphere, can you just step out? And can you inject something into that atmosphere? But what I like about Samuel is Samuel has, has this relationship with God. So that that whatever he prophesies, whatever he prophesies, whatever he prophesies, God does not let one of his words drop to the ground. He has such a devotion. The the devotion comes out of his dedication. Samuel, how many people know the story of Samuel? He was the, the son of Hannah. Hannah was barren. The Bible says her rival Peninnah, her husband Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah was popping out babies left, right, and center. Hannah, barren. So Peninnah was constantly provoking and mocking Hannah. The Bible says the Lord had closed Hannah's womb and Peninnah was, was provoking her because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. But to Hannah, that's this, this ain't gonna fly no more. I'm not living in barrenness. So she goes up to the house of God at the time of the feast and while everyone else is partying, she goes into the house and she's crying out to God and she's in such travail that Uh, Eli, whose sight is already beginning to dim, whose discernment is waning because of his his kind of backslidden, walks in and says, put your wine away from your woman. Are you drunk in the house of God? And she looks at Eli and she says to him, listen, do not think of your servant as a wicked woman. I've not touched wine nor strong drink. In fact, this is a cry from my heart. And when Eli Eli realizes that she's not drunk, but she's crying out for breakthrough, she's crying out for a baby, he says, the Lord do all that you've asked. The Lord grant your petition. The Bible says that she went home, Elkanah knew her, and she immediately conceived. Before she went to the house of God, she was barren. After After crying out, after praying, after petitioning in the house of God, The womb that was barren coming in was now fertile going out. She conceives and brings Samuel and she honors the Lord. She brings Samuel to the house of God. Samuel was conceived in a battle. We we hate battles. We we hate struggles. We we hate when the enemy comes in like a flood. We, We hate those things. But can I just tell you, your battle is your breakthrough. Your battle is your breakthrough. We've got to just do a quick pause. So this is what I want you to, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet right now. I want you to lift your hands because I just want to, I I just feel the Holy Ghost falling on you in this place. And I want you to look at your battles. And your battle is what, what you will call, this was not fair. The enemy wants to trip you up. He wants you to believe that you are a victim in the battle. Because if if he can convince you that you're the victim, then he becomes the victor. And what he does in our battles is he says to us that this is not fair. How could a loving God, if God was really good, why would he let you face such betrayal? Why would he let you face such injustice? why would he let you go through such dishonor? Why would he let you face such vile persecution? Why would, would he let this thing drop? Why would he let those people array this against you? But I need you to understand God is taking you through the valley of the shadow of death because God births giant slayers in valleys where Goliath stand before them. In the valley of the shadow of death, a shepherd boy emerges as a giant slayer. God births things in valleys. God, God births things in battles. Your battle is your crown. Your battle is your crown. Your battle is your crown. Father, I thank you right now. Let the anointing of God, let the presence of God and let the power of God fall on these magnificent people. Father, awaken our senses, awaken our realization that you are taking us through battles in every battle. Listen, let me prophesy Isaiah 59, 19. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a stone. Standed against him. When the enemy came in like a flood to Job, the Spirit of the Lord had already predetermined double For all his trouble, whatever you touch devil, whatever you take devil, whatever you destroy devil, he will receive back double for his trouble. That's what God does. Whatever you're walking through, you never lose with God. You never lose with God. The battle is the birthing stool of God to bring in something that the enemy cannot take down, something the enemy cannot stop, something the enemy cannot kill, something the enemy cannot block. God is taking you through the battle in Jesus name everybody said amen Amen. come on give God a great praise thanks for listening to find out more about our locations team and what we do here at awakened church go to awakenedchurch.com